Not so long ago, I was a quiet average man. Now I found my voice, I do my fears and not exist. Talking about life, the good, the bad, the ugly side. My name's Joe Vance, now let me take you for a ride, yeah. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Joel. So, we are actually on episode 24 and 25. The reason why I say that is because I feel like this is going to be a very long and good conversation that we're going to have on a major topic that is affecting not only us in America, but in the whole world. This is a global problem that needs to be addressed. So before I tell you what the topic is about, um, as you can see things are a little bit different. I'm not here in my room by myself. I'm actually in here with somebody else. Um, this is Mitchell. Uh, this is one of my brothers, uh, one of my eight brothers. Um, he's actually the eighth in line and I'm the ninth in line as far as our ordering of like uh, oldest to youngest. So uh, let's say this is Mitchell. And then I'm going to reintroduce everybody to Matt and Jared. My other two brothers are Matt is uh, my second oldest brother. And uh, he was actually on one of my episodes on honesty while we were on our family vacation in Panama City Beach. And um, Jared was actually on that episode as well. Uh, he is my third oldest brother. And uh, we he actually did it with me and uh, my, our nephew, Austin. Uh, we did the same exact topic on honesty. So it's good to have y'all back and it's good to have Mitchell here with me today. And we're going to talk about a really good topic today. So uh, before I have them kind of introduce themselves, I give a brief introduce uh, introduction to themselves. I'm going to uh, point out that both uh, Matt and Jared are part of another podcast. Um, Matt it, over heads the whole thing. He's kind of like the leader of uh, the podcast is called Disciples Direction. Um, he does daily Bible, you know, passages and you know, goes sometimes he goes just one verse a day. Sometimes he'll go into a few verses or a few passages a day and um, gives us a better understanding and a better meaning as to what the verses mean and, and how we should, you know, pray on it and meditate on it and just, you know, apply it to our daily life and and also, uh, Jerry's involvement with the podcast episodes, he's been a part of the discussion part of Matt's um, podcasts. Um, Matt and his wife, Macy, and uh, Jared, all three of them have these uh, really good discussions on uh, on really one topic that we're going to talk about today. And uh, so I'm not going to spoil what the topic is yet, but, uh, but they have some really like deep and good and serious conversations about these things that need to be addressed and uh like I, said, I definitely wanted to bring that up and uh and also matt is currently doing uh like a bible exposition on two different uh, books in the bible he is doing one on luke which um is really good so far i'm learning so much just from that um and we're only in chapter one so far with that but i'm learning so much with that and then also he is doing one in philippians which um which I just started on so like I'm still trying to catch up on that but like so I've really been enjoying that as well just uh you know reading one of Paul's you know letters you know so that's always uh very encouraging to read so so that's a little kind of introduction to uh to their you know involvement with uh their podcast you know they're 
um, managers. So that's before they're uh, before the recording that they're at the headquarters of Dive Disciples Directions right now. <laughs> so that's uh, that's where they're coming from, and I'm coming here from Not Your Average Joel headquarters, which is my room in my parents' house. <laughs> so, um, so before we, I tell you what the topic is about. I'm gonna have each one of them just kind of say what they do for a living, you know, outside of the podcast, you know, what they do as far as their job and uh, and their job position. So I'm going to have Matt go first. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm a, I'm, I've, I've had many titles throughout my years, but primarily I'm an electrician and that, that's the title that I hold now at um, St. Vincent's Hospital, Birmingham uh, location. I'm an electrician there. I actually uh, started working nights there by choice uh, back in March. Um, I spend most of my time in the operating rooms, taking care of their electrical needs, lights, plugs, whatever it is that needs to be done. That's pretty much the most of what I do there uh, throughout, as long as there's no other issues going on throughout the hospital that I may need to address. I'm spending time looking like I'm performing surgery, but really I'm just working on light fixtures and plugs there. So I work there at St. Vincent's Birmingham at night as an electrician. Yeah, that's awesome. And for as long as I've, you know, of course, well, I've known you all my life, of course, but like I've always known you as a, being an electrician, like in different companies. And uh, I know even at one point working uh, in a coal mine at one point, and now you're back into like the electrician position. So I said, that's definitely great. So um, Liza, for Jared, I know his a little bit more, you know, because we actually work together. So a little spoiler alert, but uh, I'm going to have Jared kind of give uh, a little bit more detail of like what exactly he does. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's not much to really describe. I don't think in my position, but obviously I uh, work for Birmingham Coca-Cola in the pricing department, which is where we put the pricing in for, you know, the, the stores and everything. But here's the thing. Don't think that I can do anything to help with the pricing. What, what the sales department sends me is what I put in. So I have no say and you know, hey, why don't you just make this a dollar or 50 cents? So that's not my say. I just put in what they send me and go from there. So, <laughs> yeah, but, so don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> and and, and at this, I don't even do it for the Birmingham area. I actually do it for Mississippi and Louisiana. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I really can't help you here in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, one great thing about uh, Jared is as soon as he got out of high school, he's actually been working at Coca-Cola ever since then. So he's been there for uh, over 20, or is it going on 25 years? Almost 25 years. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a veteran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, know that. I remember when daddy was in the 25 year picture, that's been like such a long time. And here I am right at it myself. So yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Time flies. Definitely. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so now I'm going to have yeah, Mitchell introduce what he does, you know, as far as where he works and what he does at his job. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you, Joel, for allowing me having y'all here. And uh, so, so, yes, I'm Mitchell, and uh, I work at a fire extinguisher company called Amaretz, which is in Highway 11 in Trustville, Alabama. And uh, what I do for a living, I drive a forklift operation. I'm a material handling guy, which I work in the uh, – Miles Steel Department, which is welding, which what they do is they weld wheel units, military units, the parts I get from the racks and uh, for a work order, how much they need for each work order. And then uh, 
they weld them and then they send them to the next line where Joseph used to work. And that, but now my brother Joseph, our youngest brother Joseph, um, now works in the paint line assembly. So, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been there for 10 years and, uh, and uh, it's great pay, great money. And uh, I guess you can say I'm a hero, I guess, <laughs> because I work <laughs> in the fire extinguisher for company. So that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they, the fire extinguishers to help, you know, save like fires from getting bigger than what it is. And as I always say that as a joke that like, if I go to a, like a restaurant or something and I don't see that it's an Amorex uh, fire extinguisher, I'd say that oh, it's probably going to burn down more than likely because it's not Amorex. <laughs> <laughs> so you know listen he actually uh me and mitchell used to work together at our first job which was food giant i almost look like i'm working at food giant right now with this green shirt they used to <laughs> because they used to uh wear green up until uh, a few years after mitchell left they changed to white so i eventually started wearing white but uh yeah so mitchell was working there and we worked there together for about two years maybe a little less but that's when he went to Amrex and he's been there ever since then so so yeah so that's a, a brief intro to all of them what they do for a living and uh, we're actually going to get into our topic so we're going to talk about false teaching so false teaching is pretty big it's uh not many people realize it people were almost spiritually blind to the fact that sometimes we're being led astray and don't even realize it i think about that song if uh it's by casting crowns it's called while you were sleeping like i think about like while america is like spiritually sleeping where lots of things are going on like behind the scenes you know with not only our churches but with like even just people in general or the government or just stuff like that that's going on behind the scenes that is leading us farther from god and then we we don't realize it until it's too late sometimes. So that, we're actually going you know, to talk about that today because it's a very important topic. And I feel like people need to be more aware of these uh, conversations. And I think uh, I chose three good people to do this conversation with because I've heard both Matt and Jared's uh, discussions about this teach uh, false teaching and false teachers. And I've definitely learned a lot from them. So we're going to talk about four different topics or four different like subtopics within this topic. And, uh, but before we get into that, I'm going to ask kind of like a, a brief question. We'll just kind of go over it right quick and then we'll get into our main like subtopics. So um, I'll have yeah, Matt go first answering this and then I'll have Jared, if he has any additional input to put in and then Mitchell will put in any additional input. And then of course I will as well, you know, so add in my input before we get into our subtopic. So uh, the question is, what makes someone a false teacher? So I'm going to go ahead and have Matt uh, kind of give his you know, answer on that. All right. Uh, I know you said this was a brief one, but hopefully I can make this as brief as possible. But the way I look at it in Scripture, of course, that's how we base what a false teacher or a false prophet, as we would see it within Scripture, uh, we, we look at the scripture to find that out. And I see in scripture really three criteria that that you would hold up against anyone to determine whether or not they're a false teacher or not. Now, I'm going to say this. Not all false teachings and false teachers are in all three categories. They may only have one, two, possibly three of the categories. 
But I just want to kind of briefly go over each one of these categories that I feel like that you are seeing within Scripture. First one is, is they teach outside the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture. That's usually the first basis and probably one that most false teachers hold to because they don't see the final authority or the sufficiency of Scripture and I'm sure those words and terms for people that don't understand them, we'll probably discuss and talk about a little more. But we look at First Timothy chapter six, verse three through five, oh, yeah. to get this basis. What I'm talking about, it says, if anyone teaches a different doctrine, okay, there we go, and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So, we see there at the very beginning, they teach a different doctrine, something that doesn't hold firm to the teaching of the scriptures. They look outside of that. We'll talk about a little bit more about that, I'm sure. The second thing is they, they deny the deity of Jesus. This is they deny that Jesus is God or that he was God and has always been God. They may hold to some form that he attained God, Godhood or became God at some point, but they don't look at the view of a Trinitarian God as we see it, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three persons. So we see that, and we see this also in Scripture. First John 4, 1 through 3 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And, and don't get confused by that word spirit. He's really just speaking of someone that's speaking in a sense, not some, ooh, you know, spirit. He says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know, the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So that's the second criteria. They they deny Jesus Christ coming in the flesh, that Jesus is God. They deny the deity of Jesus as God. The third thing is they deny that Jesus's atonement was enough for salvation. And this is one of the topics we're going to be looking at is the workspace salvation. And this is kind of that view. They, they deny that what Christ did, the mercy and grace that God has given to us, is not enough for salvation, that you have to add something to it. Jude verses three and four says this, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So we see there that they pervert the grace of our God. They deny 
our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that we see in many different forms, but they deny the fact that his grace was enough. And I just want to make mention, too, if you look a few verses down in Jude, we see that these people are not just, you know, when we think about false teachings, a lot of times people think of, you know, people that are associated with Islam or Hindus. But we're talking about false teachings that are within Christian circles or people that call themselves Christians or use the name Jesus Christ associated with their religion in some way. And this is what he says in Jude 12 and 13. He says, these are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. They're hidden reefs, is what he says, right there among you. And that's the that's the danger of what false teaching does, is they are within our churches. And even some of the best churches out there, they try to infiltrate into those good, uh, you know, those churches. And that's just, that's kind of my overview, to, you know, of what three criteria that I think we're going to see even through some of these that we um, are talking about today. And I may even point those out as we go through them. I know in some of the stuff I'm going to talk about, I have those kind of points pointed out, but even through some of these others, I want to point out those three criteria always come up and that's what we see. So I don't know if anybody else got anything else to kind of add to that or not. But. Well, I mean, I don't know if this goes with it or is it just added to it or what, but uh, I mean, obviously a false teaching isn't, you know, it like there is an error in doctrine, but just because you, maybe you teach something that's an error doesn't always make it a false teaching because it could be that it's just something that's misunderstood in the scriptures. But if it's something that you do basically out of gain for your ministry, possibly, then that to me would be something to, to look for because, well, let me read what I, I like this answer that I found on Bible.org. I don't know the question why it makes someone a false teacher. It says a false teaching is simply something that's wrong. A false teacher, according to what we read in the new Testament, is someone who deceives, uh, teaching things they do not they should not teach you know they cause division and confusion where we should have unity and clarity so and they put go on further to say not everyone who teaches an error is a false teacher it is wrong to pretend otherwise not everyone who creates division is a false teacher either in fact you know because wherever there is disagreement those are going to be the vision you know mm-hmm. there, there's going to be that in some of the topics throughout the bible and throughout scripture is that so they the goal is not to avoid conflict entirely, but to make truth out of, you know, out, out of the basis for the disagreement, you know. And uh, then it goes on to quote 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 26, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. So, uh, I mean, I guess the point I'm making is, yeah, it's not so much that a false teaching or teacher is just someone that may have one little detail wrong, but, you know, 
as we will see, even when it comes to calling out false teachers, you don't just call them out based on some, some, something small. It's got to be something they're, they're making basically into their doctrine, but it's their belief statement, basically, that is an error. But right. outside of that, I don't know. Did you have something else that you wanted to add? Well, or? I mean, I was just thinking also, no, I'm not trying to steal what <laughs> the thunder here. Disciples' directions. <laughs> but I also wanted to make a connection because there may be many people out here. And I just, I know the arguments from the other side. So I, I want to make sure to clear this up that a false prophet is usually something that you see in the Old Testament. A false teacher is something that you see that kind of in the church age moving forward. But I want to make this point in Second Peter 2, 1, where Peter puts these two together in one. He says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them bringing upon themselves swift destruction. So we see the connection that false prophets and false teachers are the same. And therefore, if they're the same, then we hold them to the same uh, standard as we did the false prophets. Now, a lot of people that are consider themselves prophets nowadays that we would consider false teachers, they think that they shouldn't be held to the same standard, but that is wrong. We see that they are to be held to that same standard. And if you look at, I'm not going to read all these, but just give people reference to go back and look for those that are watching. Uh, Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22 gives you a good view of that. Uh, I, I do want to mention this one. Jeremiah 14, 14 says this. And, and the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination and the deceit of their own minds. And so we see that that's usually the things that we're going to see in false teachings and the things we're going to talk about, even on this discussion, is that right there. So that's another one. And then also Jeremiah 23, 23 through 32 will give you another. That, that's just some references for people to go back and look on to see what false prophets, what, I mean, they were to be put to death in the Old Testament. Now, our laws here in America and our it happens in other places, but here we don't have those type of laws to be able to execute people. You know, that's not what we're saying. But the thing is, is we hold them to those same standards and we need to be sure that we hold them to those same standards and have the right to rebuke and call those people out, which is what we're doing here. So, And just to finish our answer, and then I'll give it back to you, Joel. I mean, if you name a false teacher... You know, don't just do it by naming names, you know, don't just name drop, but, you know, give a reason for the error or give the error that they're doing. Right. So yeah. that that would be something else I would say. So back over to you at the Not Your Average Joel Studios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Liza, those are both really good answers and really good input. Like I said, you don't want to just name drop somebody and just because anybody could be like, oh, well, my advance is a false teacher. It's like, wait, what makes them a false teacher? Like, you can't just make a huge accusation like that. And, and then it, it might right. be disagreement that you have with them. So you're going to call them a false teacher based, based <laughs> on something that is in the scriptures, but right. that you might have. A, um, so, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. So did you have any input, Mitchell, regarding false teaching? Or like what makes a false teacher? Well, pretty much Matt and Jared cover a lot of points of it. What came to my mind while they were talking, Matthew 24, when the disciples came to him privately and asking Jesus, tell us these things, what the signs will be. And here I got in Matthew uh, 24, verse 5. He, he's Jesus speaking them to the disciples, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And then later on that verse, later on as he was telling them these signs and all the end times will come, and it's in verse 11, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And some translations, I don't know, it's about the ESV, you know, I then read it in the New King James Version of Matthew 24, like even it said, uh, many will be led to the straight, even the elect, even mm -hmm. his chosen ones. And that's why we got to be careful, you know, for those who read the Bible, who we listen to, and wow. just because uh, we could fall, we can easily just fall straight not knowing it. So, I mean, when he said even the elect, I'm like, wow. And uh, just like your Disciple Directions podcast about Judas, the discussion y'all had. Um, that was number seven y'all had the other day. I listened to the rest of it today. It was, you know, great discussion. And yes, I mean, yeah, he knew he regret what he did. But like you said, Matt, he was never sorry for what he did because basically, look, he went to another direction, went his way. And hey, Jesus even tell disciples, I chose the 12, but hey, one of y'all's the devil. And wow. um, and many, many disciples were concerned who it was. And so that's why as followers of Christ, that's why we need to be concerned because we don't want to be in that situation. He tells us, but yeah, you're the devil. Like what? So, so yeah, that's my point. Good, good point. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say as well, I mean, the thing is, as false teachers, they will mix in the truth. So there's going to be some truth there. You know, they're, they're going to use scripture, but yeah. it's that, it's that part of the 20, 30% or whatever it might be. That isn't the truth is where they can get you. And just because they're using the name of Jesus sometimes. And I know, in the past, I used to would associate, hey, just because they're using the name of Jesus, they must be uh, speaking the truth completely. But no, <laughs> I mean, that's not always the case. So. Yes, it's very subtle yes. a lot of times. It's mm -hmm. very subtle. Like I said, they mix, they mix it up. That's what makes them so easily, that, that people get easily deceived. Like Mitchell said, even the elect, even people that are true Christians can get caught up into these ass. Yes. Like we said, even on our discussions, even we have did early in our Christianity as well, you know, get mixed up in things that were wrong, you know, so. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's very true. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it's uh, just having that discernment of knowing what's, you know, who's who's a false teacher and who's actually preaching the truth and all that. And just to kind of add on, like, uh, you know, y'all all have covered up most of it, but I just kind of want to re, you know, you know, say kind of like what y'all said is uh, like a false teacher is like someone that like takes his verses out of scripture and then like twists or like misinterprets it and then like proclaims those statements to their congregation. And that lies that causes our congregation to to believe these false narratives of like what is actually written in the scripture and all of that. And that can be a very scary thing and like I said a false teacher also could be someone that you know of course doesn't truly know the word and and what the word you know means like what each verse means and uh you know read something presents something different than what it actually is and I'm kind of repeating myself but just kind of 
you know, reminding myself that's kind of, you know, what I think of what a false teacher does because, of course, like I said, they will, you know, spread something. I mean, they'll say something and it will make it sound like it's contradicting the word of God. And, and we know that we serve a God that never lies. You know, we know the, the Bible is the word of truth and, you know, and there's no half truths when it comes to the Bible. And that's kind of what the false teachers do. They'll, like you said, they'll throw in a sprinkle of truth in there. And then the the rest of their thing is like their own their own interpretation of it. So when I say it's definitely a it can be you know we're in crazy times. I said the false teachers are becoming bigger and bigger. It's getting bigger and bigger, and we just gotta continue to have that discernment of you know watching out for those uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. <laughs> yes. Yep. So um, Matt actually brought up one uh, of the topics that we're going to talk about. So I'm going to go ahead and get into our first subtopic, which is on work-based salvation. So a lot of people may know about this, but there may be some people on here that are wondering, like, what exactly is work-based salvation? So I'm going to have uh, Matt kind of give a little bit more into uh, a deeper understanding of what work-based salvation is. So. Take it away over there, disciples' direction. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I kind of already mentioned that. Um, and, and, and what we see about works-based salvation is there's kind of different forms of works-based salvation. You look at it from different ways. Some of it says you have to do something to earn your salvation. And I would say that a lot of uh, religions, even outside of Christianity, has a kind of a works-based view of, eternal life or, or whatever they believe, you know. Um, but a lot of Christian churches or people that are associated with Christianity, they believe in earning your salvation. Uh, they believe that Jesus's atonement paid the price for sin, but they believe that they have to add something to that in order to either be saved or complete this, the salvation process or to remain saved. You know, and in other words, that you can lose your salvation at some points, so at some point in your life, and therefore you have to continue to do stuff to 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 keep yourself saved, in a sense. And man, I mean, I, what type of life would that be if we had to live that way? And we know that we don't have that in Christ, but that's what a works-based salvation does. It's really Jesus' sacrifice plus something is you know plus works. And there's a lot, a lot, and, and some people might say, ah, you know, I don't believe that, but I think people are going to see that you may have uh, friends, family that are associated with these types of uh, thinkings and the people that are, are, are uh, in these types of uh, attitudes, really. I think even people, you know, within, uh, you know, Baptist circles can have this type of view that you have to have some type of workspace. Pentecostalism, we can see that that has. Catholicism, obviously, we're going to, I know, mention, probably mention that here in a little bit. But really, the view that I want to look at when we look at a works-based salvation, and I'm going to tell you the reason why I picked this to talk about, to kind of help people understand what it looks like, I want to talk about Mormonism. I want to talk about Mormonism because from where I sit right here, less than two miles from here is a Mormon church and temple right here in Gardendale, right on Mount Olive Road in Gardendale, there is a Mormon temple right here, 
just two miles from here and less than two miles from the church that a lot of us at least have have our, our membership at, there's a Mormon temple there. Now, a lot of people, I don't know if any of y'all even know anybody that's Mormon, do you? No, but I know where you're talking about. But I have known, I've known people that were Mormon. In fact, I've had visits from Mormons, not here at this house, but the other house I used to live at in Gardendale. But I want to give a little bit of insight about this because at some point in your life, you're probably going to run across people that are associated with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, now, if you watch TV for any amount of t time, you've probably seen commercials for them. They used to have them all the time. I know I don't watch very much TV, and most people don't even watch regular TV anymore, but I'm just saying uh, that those things are there. So, um, <clears throat> so we see here the Latter-day Saints, and I just want to give a little brief view of the wrong that they that we see associated with works-based salvation but also I want those three criteria that I talked about at the beginning I want us to see those even within Mormonism and what we see is that they really have a history that only dates back to the early 1800s okay so this is something that a lot of people don't realize this is a new religion this is a new view of how they feel like they uh, are supposed to worship God. And this is, of course, most people would probably know that this is first from a vision that was from Joseph Smith um, that he supposedly got, you know, from, from heaven, basically. And that's where they base their beliefs off of. And in fact, I want to just kind of share some things and I've got some of this information off of mormonfact.com and I want to uh, just mention some of this stuff and I quote this, most Christian religions, uh, this is what they say, most Christian religions preach that there's a heaven and a hell and that anyone outside their own religion will be condemned to hell. Mormonism has a more complete and much more merciful view of salvation, end quote. And so they do not believe that people go to hell, um, first of all. So the first thing we see they do, the first criteria that I talked about was they look outside of scripture to find their view and beliefs about who God is. And that's what they base their teachings off of. And that's what they do. And you see that all throughout, of course, Anyone that may know, they have their own extra biblical book called the Book of Mormon. Uh, I actually used to own one of these, but mainly because I found it. Uh, it's a long story. I don't want to talk about, <laughs> but I found it and I did read through it. But I also had a visit, like I mentioned, from some Mormons probably about 13, 14 years ago now. And uh, I, I really kind of played dumb to some of their beliefs I already knew what they believed and and, and I kind of went this route with them and just kind of asked them some basic questions and then started really gathering information from them and then trying to ask them stuff about the scripture and every time I brought up scriptures they either took it way out of context or they uh, they referred to their beliefs that are found in the Book of Mormon they didn't ever really quote scripture so that's the first thing they always do they always look towards things that are um 
that are written in their own, you know, book of Mormon or fr from their own beliefs. So they say this, and I quote, first of all, there could be no salvation without the atonement of Jesus Christ. That sounds great. That sounds great. That This is what they said. There's the truth. Yeah, there's <laughs> the truth. And then they say this, Mormons believe that the atonement has provided us with profound blessings. End quote. Notice the subtlety here of this statement. First of all, like we said, the truth mm -hmm. is found in the fact that, hey, we believe the atonement is found in Jesus Christ. But their sense of atonement is seen in profound blessings, not eternal life. So there's a subtle difference there, but most people probably would not pick that up right away. And they may even think, oh, yeah, we are, you know, we do have blessings. But they get their beliefs and their their understanding from the Book of Mormon, Mormon or their articles of faith that they have that they try to base their view of, of sin and even original sin. They say this, they say, we believe that men will be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression. Now, this is a deep topic that I think take a long time to understand. But the fact is, is that we were all born sinners. Even before we sinned our first sin, we were already sinners from the original sin of Adam's transgression. And Romans 5.12 says this, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We will become, we will sin our first sin. I mean, you don't have to tell, you've probably heard this before, you don't have to tell a kid, you know, when, you, when, when kids are growing up, you're always telling them, no, don't do that. No, don't, don't do that. We're all bent towards a sinful nature. So we're born as sinners. Psalm 51.5 says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So before a baby could even um, but sin their first sin, they were considered a sinner. But their view of it is different. Some people might say, well, what's that matter? It's because it's from this original sin view that they base off their salvation off of. Of. And, and that may be a little more clear as we go on. The fact is, is they look at just the, those two verses. There's many more we could use. But this, those two verses, they don't believe those two verses. They believe what's in their book and what visions were seen from Joseph Smith and not from the scripture. They say they believe the scripture. If you ask them, they will say they believe the Bible, but they don't in the, any of their beliefs. Not really at all. So there's a lot more and, and, and I, I've got I've got a lot of stuff that we could we could see in that. But the fact is, is they add to the scripture. They either add to or take away from the scripture. And that's the first criteria that we see. Secondly, they teach against the deity of Jesus. So I just so happen to pick uh, something to talk about that is uh, that all they they're going to fall under all three of these criteria. So they uh, teach against the deity of Jesus Christ. I quote this from the same source: "We believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Father, and such inherited powers of Godhood and divinity from His Father, including immortality." So we see that they believe that. He inherited 
powers, not that he had these powers from the beginning, not that he is God from the beginning, that he became God. They say this, Jesus was the first spirit child of God the Father. He is the eldest brother of all spirit children and thus the eldest brother of all human beings. Mormons claim that God the Father was once a man. So our God the Father, this is another view, and that he then progressed to Godhood. That is that he is now exalted as an immortal man with flesh and bone and body. And that's what they believe. Even though the Bible teaches us that God is spirit, they believe that God, our God, is a exalted man. And, and that's just some of the things. So we see that they, they deny the deity of God, deny the deity of Jesus, as we see within the scripture. And, that, you know, they, they believe that at some point Jesus was born as a human um, physically here and, and that he was the only begotten son of God in the flesh. But they really don't understand that in a sense. Really, they just believe that Jesus then progressed to deity in the spirit world and then became a human and has attained this position as now as God. And that is just a wrong view. And, and I would submit this to people that believe that way or think that this is not a big deal about the deity of God and the deity of Jesus being he, that he was not a created being. John 1, 1 through 3 says this, in the beginning was the word, this is speaking about Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And then in verse 14, it says this of the same chapter. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So we see this is how they deny the deity of Christ, even from the scripture. All this goes back to the sufficiency of the scripture that they deny. And then thirdly, they deny the form of salvation that is based off from the truth that we find in scripture. They deny really the completeness of the atonement of Jesus to be able to attain eternal life. And I got these statements that I'm going to mention from mormonbeliefs.org. They say this, salvation to Latter-day Saints does not just mean going to heaven. It means many things. So some of the things that they believe is salvation from physical death. It says, because of him, we are saved from physical death, both all, listen to this, all both righteous and the wicked will be resurrected to perfect immortal bodies. So that's one thing they look at. Salvation also they look at from spiritual death. Christ's atonement takes away our sin on the conditions of repentance. So they have to repent, which is a work. We believe repentance is a part of salvation, but it's after you're saved that you repent and turn to Christ. And all that is kind of in, in one view, but they think that you have to repent. And if you don't repent, then you don't get saved or you do, but you don't get to a higher level of salvation. And this enables us to return to the presence of the Lord someday, it says. Those who do not repent must suffer for their own sins. 
and they get there um, once again. Everything that they see in, is from the Book of Mormon. They they have a, a, ver- a couple of verses from the Doctrine of and Covenants, not uh, in verse or chapter nineteen of their uh, to view this. Uh, once again, like I said, all of this is based off of their Book of Mormon, not from the Scripture. And then they look at salvation from suffering. It says this: Christ took upon Himself the wrath of God for our sins. Once again some truth in it, so that we might not have to suffer for our own sins in the afterlife. But his atonement is of no avail to us unless we believe on his name and repent of those sins. So we see, once again, there is work involved in salvation. Now, they will say, we don't believe that salvation is by works. If you ask a Mormon, they will say that they don't believe it. But if you look at the views of how they teach their teachings and their all their theology, it is salvation and exaltation is only through what they do here on earth. And, and that's something else that we could get into is the difference between they teach the difference between salvation, which means that you're saved and exaltation, which means that you get to be in different a different level of heaven. So that's something that they teach outside of the scripture once again. They look at Joseph Smith and even Sidney Rigdon, uh, which is another uh, influential preacher of their time uh, during that time with Joseph Smith. They look at their visions and the things that they were teaching as more important than what is taught in scripture, or they try to expand the view of what scripture says, instead of just going by what the scripture says, they, they, they look at scripture as, or at the book of Mormon as more important to scripture. They, they look at scripture as kind of the basis and they have a more complete understanding of it by the book of Mormon. And, and that's just some of the things that we see that they, once again, they, they, they just look at uh, the view of salvation and exaltation in a really weird way. They, they use 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 40 through 42. It says this, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star different from another is star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. And they use this entire scripture out of context to base their uh, view of salvation. So this is what they say. This is from revelations from that Sidney Rigdon and also from Joseph Smith. They say this, the celestial kingdom is the highest kingdom in heaven and is as the glory of the sun. The terrestrial kingdom is next. And through Christ dwells, uh, or though Christ dwells in the celestial realm, he administers to those in terrestrial kingdom as well, along with others who have been exalted to that kingdom. Once again, what they what they do is they go against the words of the scripture to suit their own way of thinking. And there, there's many different views of this. They, they, they use 2 Corinthians 12, 3 through 4, where uh, Paul says that, um, he says this, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. And they use this word third heaven. I remember having a conversation with the Mormons that I talked to 13, 14 years ago. 
And I remember having this conversation with them and they really believe this is meant for exaltation. Like there's three levels of heaven. And I, and I just want to clear up what these, what this scripture actually means, because I think there's some confusion there. What there's three, there's three different views of heaven or the word heaven we see in scripture. One of them is uh, considered that atmosphere above the earth. Genesis 6, 7 says this. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. That's one heaven. The birds, where they fly. That's one view of the, the heaven in the scripture. Second heaven is considered the outer space or celestial heaven. Matthew 24, 29 says this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. Once again, this doesn't mean it's from where God is or, or some level of heaven. This is a different section of or scripture that mentions heaven. And then the third heaven, of course, we know is where God is. Hebrews 8, 1b says this. We have such a high priest, speaking of Jesus, one who was seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. So that's the third heaven that Paul's speaking of, but they use it in their doctrines to teach that they can go above and beyond to do things to reach a higher level of salvation. People that don't repent, they're in that lower heaven, not in the presence of God. Even though he rules over them, they're not in his presence. Only those that are exalted to that higher third heaven will be there. And once again, like I said, this is all because they go outside of scripture. So we see they went outside of scripture uh, to, to find their beliefs and truths. They deny the deity of Christ and they deny the form of salvation that we see within scripture, which is that we are saved by grace through faith by Christ alone for the glory of God alone, not because we've done anything to reach some higher status, but because of what Christ did. And that puts them as a works-based salvation. And like I said, there's many of other things that are wrong with their, um, you know, religion. But once again, that associates with Jesus Christ. They even call themselves the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but they are not Christian. And they, people that are there, they're nice people. They're nice people. But nice is, is not going to get you to heaven. Only faith in Christ. Anyway, that's that's all I got when it comes to that. I hope I didn't take up too much time there. But to kind of help people understand this is what things do, you know, religions do and, and denominations do that try to add works to salvation. They just completely destroy the Bible and it's in, in, in the, the, the message of grace through Christ. Yeah, and I was going to add or ask if I said that grace is by work or that salvation is by works, would that be a contradiction? But he already kind of answered there at the end that, yes, by God's works, it's by the works of Christ on our behalf. You know, the life that he lived, his death, you know, that's the works that we are saved by through faith. But uh, I mean, but why is this such a highly viewpoint, you know, how it's viewpoint salvation by works? I mean, it's because and I'm kind of paraphrasing from uh, an answer that I found on gotquestions.org. I mean, it's because salvation by work seems right in the eyes of a man. You know, one of man's basic desires to be controlled 
is to control its own destiny. And that concludes his, excuse me, his eternal destiny, you know, so, so it basically appeals to us because it's in our desire to be, control, be in control. You know, we want to be in control of our salvation. We don't want to put anyone else or anything else, but the, the fact that we can maybe have more good works outweigh our bad works, you know, being something that, you know, puts us that we feel like, Hey, you know, if I can do more good than bad, but even though we probably none would even come to that, uh, that point to be able to even claim right. that. But I mean, you know, so why does it appeal to their sinful nature? Still kind of paraphrasing from that, uh, answer on dot questions.org, but would be, I mean, and they quoted Proverbs 14, 12, which, you know, it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but it's in is the way of death. I mean, right there is a good example of why works by salvation, you know, shouldn't be held so highly because yeah, it may seem right to us yeah, or to you or to whoever, but it's way leads to death. I mean, and that's not the way salvation is. It's right. by faith alone, you know, uh, despite. But anyway, over uh, the team eyebrows over it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh that's very good Les. i'm glad that you got into a good like deep uh, giving us a good deeper understanding of what work-based salvation is and i before we continue forward i actually do want to point out that i feel like these four topics are like so good and we can go so in depth with these things that i i think is probably going to be best if we split this up into at least three or four episodes so i think we're going to leave this episode for uh, you know, the first question and for work-based salvation for today. And then we will, you know, get back together and do one on easy believism. If we have time for any other topics, we'll throw that in. But, and then, you know, we'll get into another topic on um, modalism for those that don't know what that is. And then we'll get into another one on uh, speaking in tongues. So I think uh, these four are so good and I don't, I originally had an outline, you know, for uh, letting them know kind of how I wanted to go about doing this. But I think it's really good to get into these things because these are really important conversations to talk about. And I don't want to uh, leave out anything. So I think that uh, it's going to be for the best for the last 35 minutes or 40 minutes that we have on here to just get deeper into like the meanings behind your work-based salvation, because this is a very important thing and many religions incorporate work-based salvation into their uh their you know sound well not sound their doctrine and so like into their beliefs and their you know law you know whatever you know they follow like so like with mormonism um like not having the bible is enough like the bible is not enough for them so they have to add in the book of mormon and other things that kind of go based off of and uh and even like in uh like i was thinking about when i think about workplace salvation i also think about like um my muslims and islam like i think about how they have some of them oh uh, well many of them pray like uh like five times a day and uh and it feels like you've had to like it's almost like you're doing it because you have to and not because you want to. It's come, It's almost like feeling like it's a, a command and not something that you, you want to do on your own doing. Because that would be amazing if we take five times out of our day to willingly, or more than that, of course, to willingly, you know, go before the Lord, whether we're driving to work or, you know, well, some of us work from home, but like those that do drive to work, 
or you know if you're just driving anywhere to and from places being able to talk to the lord at that time but when you when you make it a almost like just a daily thing that you just feel like you have to do that's where it becomes dangerous because because at the end of the day like god doesn't need us we need him so like so we don't like he his, he's supreme and sovereign no matter what we do on our end so like so i think uh that's very important to think of as well and uh And uh, one other religion that I think is going to be good to bring about, you know, Mitchell's going to describe a little bit more about it, is going to be on uh, on the Catholic Church. It's a very, very huge thing that, like, billions of people are involved with, you know, from all over the world. That's why at the beginning I said that this is like a, a global, you know, it's almost like a global pandemic in a way, spiritual pandemic, because it's... Uh, as a religion that's leading people astray and as especially here in the last few years there's been more acceptance of things that are against like you know that god talks against in the bible that they're now um accepting and is you know very dangerous to go against god's word and and then the claim that you're a man of god so like it's almost you're a walking contradiction at that point so that's where um, i'm going to have mitchell talk a little bit more into Catholicism and, and of course we're going to all throw in our input too at that point so I'm going to give it to Mitchell and just allow him the opportunity to talk a little bit more about the Catholic Church. <laughs> yes yeah, so so yeah if there's anything I do miss please make sure y'all add to it after I'm done but yeah um what go ahead okay so um but there's so many people that is involved with the Catholic Church today um which 1.3 billions of people you know is in this world today is catholic is the largest religion in the world you know it's so easy you know where most people like to be comfortable like to do ass stuff and everything so first of all i mean before we talk about the catholic church you know the one thing i put in my notes you know what a false teacher is is the, um, the papacy, which is Pope Francis, which he, um, first of all, he's a pope today. And um, so he is stealing, you know, the title from Jesus Christ, which everybody will look to him that he is the head of the church. And a lot of Catholics, not just Catholics, but many people today, um, even um, Muslims will look at him too. He's the head. Some of them, because I know Mike Gentrell, whatever his name is, he's uh, a former Catholic, and he shared a video called Discernment, you know, and he he had that with Pope Francis and Mormons come along together, which has a lot of detail on that. But let me read in Scripture. This is on Ephesians 5, which I do in my own exposition study on the Ephesians, which I'm in chapter 5, um, verse 23. So... As Paul was teaching the, the church at DFSs, first I mean he talks about wives submit to the husband. So, so, um, so he says in verse twenty-three in chapter five, for the husband is the head of the wife, and he, then he puts even as Christ is the head of the church. So that goes right there that Christ is the head of the church. So the Pope is stealing the title from God, and he calls himself the high priest which we know that Jesus Christ alone is the high priest 
and we could come to him when uh, when we fall down, fall short, you know, and um, we don't have to make our confessions to the Pope or to the priest itself. So, Amen. yes, he robs Christ of his power in our souls. So, so the yeah, because so the the Pope is a very dangerous man. He's definitely wolves in sheep's clothing. And this is what he says. The Pope says the Lord has redeemed all of us. So he's talking about the Lord has re redeemed all of us, all of us with the blood of Christ. All of us, not just Catholics, everyone, even the atheists. And this is what Pope Francis says. So he says even the atheists will be redeemed by the blood of Jesus and get to heaven. And he even said, he said even Pope even said even even he said you will get to heaven long as you are sincere. And I was like, wow. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is a reason why many 1.3 billion people follow him because he says these easy words. He says the atheists, and he even says this: God, mer God's mercy has no limits if you go to Him with sincere and contrite heart. The issue for those who do not believe in God is to obey conscience. He was, and then um, and he was even um, the advocate, which is the gay magazine. Pope Francis was the man of the year on that because even he said um, gays and atheists will get to heaven. And yeah. so, so well, first of all, you know, for those who are watching here, you might say, oh, well, great. Now you're talking about homosexuality. So let's go to, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And this is the word of God. Like, this is what God says. So, yeah, the Pope says that atheists and homosexuality get to go to heaven and they're God's trial. So, 1 Corinthians, for those Catholics or anybody who are not familiar with the Bible, this is the Word of God. So, let's say what God says, the same God you love, the same God I love. So, you, if you say you love God, okay, let's, let's go to this book. So 1 Corinthians says, or do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral or idolaters or adulterers or men who practice homosexuality. Hello, for these or greedies or drunkards or revivals or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So that means for those, he not just mentioned homosexuality. He mentions more stuff on this list. Will not enter the kingdom of God. So, yes, I mean, we want to be a witness and tell the truth what the Bible says. We cannot just go say, I'm born this way or born that way. And that is not true. So that's a very danger of um, the leader of the Catholic Church today. He says these words and he's not getting to, he's not digging the scriptures, what his words, what God says. So, so, yeah, if you say if you love God, but how about let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. I think that covers a lot about why they don't go to heaven. Right. And so, and second of all, um, that the, the Catholic Church teaches that um, they use this thing called the Eucharist, which the Eucharist, which I get this gospel track, it says, which Jesus do you trust? So the Eucharist, I mean, I'm just going to read some of them. This tract I got from Proclaiming the Gospel, which is from Mike, you know. So proclaimingthegospel.org, if you want to get one of these. It says, 
that which Jesus will you trust? So the Lord Jesus warned us, if anyone says you says to you, behold, here is the Christ, do not believe in him. That's in Matthew 24, 23. Yet this is what the Catholic priest proclaims each time they lift up the Eucharist, according to the catalysms of the Catholic Church. The Eucharist becomes the body and the blood and souls divine to the Lord Jesus Christ, such that the whole Christ is truly, really sustained, contained. This is done so that the same Christ who offered himself on the cross can be offered on the Catholic altars. So then later on in this track, he says, how can we know if the Eucharist is truly the Lord Jesus Christ or the false Christ? So he says, the Apostle Paul warns us that some will preach another Jesus, which Matt said that earlier, will preach another Jesus. Um, let's see, where is that? I lost my place. <laughs> warns us some to be another Jesus, whom the apostles never preach, 2 Corinthians 1, 1, 4. Therefore, the accuracy of every teaching must be tested with the word of God, which Matt mentioned that. Jesus proclaimed, it is finished. So Jesus finished us for the, it is finished. So we know it cannot be Jesus who being offered daily on the Catholic altars. There is no, there is no longer any offer for sin. So basically, Jesus says it is finished and we could come to him when, um, when we sin and we don't have to give our, confessions or we you know we don't have to go to the eucharist which they believe the eucharist is actually the body in christ that goes in them instead um jesus mentions that i'll give you another helper which he's not referring to the pope or the palpacy he means the holy spirit because john even the book of john that he will guide us to all truth and so so and this is the other thing that they teach too they add a lot of stuff like mediators, which they add Mary. They pray to Mary. They even bow down the statues to Mary, and um, they even worship Mary. And some some of them don't know that Mary had other kids too. So yes, she's no longer a Virgin Mary. You know, she had other kids. Jesus has brothers and sisters, and yeah, a lot of them well do not know that because you know why they don't dig into the scriptures, and. Um, and that's another thing, too. I've been to Catholic churches. We all have. They, they don't carry their Bibles to the church. So that's a big red flag already. You don't see anybody carrying the Bibles. Or the priest himself does not encourage the congregation to read the Word. And everybody I ask that is involved in that, that used to be involved with it or involved now. Are you being encouraged to read the Word? And they said, no. And that's a big red flag. So, we're, so they... And Mary. So why do they pray to Mary? First of all, it's wrong to pray for other people. We, you know, because we should not put any other gods before our Heavenly Father. So this is what it says, First Timothy um, 2, 5 says, For there is one God. So we know there is one God. And, and then there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And that word proves right there that Jesus is the only mediator we have. We could come to him. We worship him. There's songs, spiritual songs. And yet, but then the Catholic Church, you know, has a day they want to pray for Mary and they want to bow down to her. And um, in face, I'll just be honest with you. I don't hear many Catholics talk about Jesus a lot. They care about God and Mary more than Jesus Christ. When I feel like asking, well, which God are you talking about? You know, because they're all, all types of gods. And why do y'all pray to Mary? Why do y'all pray for our statue that's mute? And, you know, I'm praying somebody that cannot answer you back. And so 
And so, yeah, so that is wrong. You know, what the Catholic Church does, they add that. And also, um, if I put bookmarks in the scriptures. So I think I, and the last thing they believe, which, you know, please add anything once I get done. Um, once you die in your sins, if you die in your sins, they believe that you believe they, that you go to this place called purgatory. So they believe that you'll be prayed up by the fire, that you'll have people here on earth. They'll pray for you and your soul will eventually get to heaven. Basically, it's, you know, you'll, you'll work away to heaven no matter what. Well, that's not true because purgatory is a fake place. It's a host place created by the Catholic Church. And uh, I know many people are offended by this that are involved with this because, you know, they want to get to heaven no matter what. So, I mean, we could go to, I could go to Revelation uh, 2015, where Revelation, where John gives a vision, you know, God gives him a vision, what the last days will be like. And this is how uh, the defeat of Satan, you know, how the written book, because the written book of life is. And uh, this was what the word says, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So that proves right there that if you have not gave your your life to Jesus Christ alone, and if he's not your only mediator, that if you don't have that, then your name's not going to be written in the book of life. And um, so for any, anyone that's involved with that, please be concerned because it's definitely a red flag because, I mean, we want y'all to be encouraged to read the word and we want y'all to get dig the scriptures. And uh, if y'all just worry about traditions and all that stuff you might think about well what about my family what about my what this you know i've been catholic for so many years well i mean jesus i mean says and i mean i think in john i can't remember where it was that if anyone loves their mother and father more than me is not worthy of me whoever loves their brother says more than me is not worthy of me whoever does not uh, take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me so those are Jesus' strong words, and they are strong words. And and yes, I mean, it, it will cost your life to follow, truly follow Jesus and to follow his will. And um, and yes, I mean, you'll be hated for his name's sake because Jesus said, I mean, you you they hated me first before they hated you. And yeah, and that's why Jesus was crucified for the words. They did not like the words of his teaching. And basically, I mean, hey, I lost basically friends you know, before because my faith in Jesus and why I don't agree with the Catholic Church. I mean, even though I wasn't persecuted physically, but spiritually I was persecuted because I lost something, you know, but I'm not going to deny the words of Jesus. And uh, if y'all add in, if y'all have something to add, please do, because I, you know, I feel like I have something Covered it well, but what I want to do is just kind of point out those three criteria once again. Uh, we see the first one that they they use things outside of the authority and sufficiency of Scripture, in the fact that they have their Catholic Church catechisms, right? That's where they get a lot of their stuff from. In fact, thinking about the the Pope, I was looking at some of my notes here. It says this in one of their catechisms: the Roman Pontiff and the bishops are authentic teachers, that is, teachers endowed with the authority of Christ. They think they have as equal authority as Jesus Christ, especially when the Pope sits on the seat and they think that this comes from 
Peter being the first pope, which is not true. <laughs> and we can detail about that. But the fact is, is they get their beliefs from their catechisms or traditions, as Mitchell said. That That is something that they do. The, the second thing they do is the deity of Christ. They may say, well, we don't deny the deity of Christ. When you give the authority to, to the pope, you have stripped Christ of his authority. Therefore, you have denied the, that. And of course, Mitchell hit on the purgatory once again, that you work yourself out of purgatory to complete salvation. And we talked about that just oh, yeah. last time. Oh, yeah. We talked about it a couple of times on our own podcast. Yeah, yeah. That was some very good points. But once again, the Catholic Church, Catholicism, sits and hits every one of those criteria. Like I said, not all false teachings will, but Mormonism and Catholicism both do hit those three criteria on the fact that they are false. And we've said this before. We have family members that are Catholic. We, our dad came out of Catholicism and uh, we talked about that on our discussion. And that's something we're, we're not blind to what Catholicism is, yeah, we can read all this, but we also have family members. And like I said, our dad was in Catholicism, grew up as a Catholic and came out of it, thank goodness, and uh, saw the the error there. So I, I really thought you hit them some good yeah, points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would do, and this is going to be a name that they don't want to hear, you know, Catholics at least, would be Martin Luther. <laughs> and I'm going to go and with uh, the works base as well, because this is some stuff kind of against. Of course, he was known for the Protestant Reformation and the, you know, but anyway, to go off of that. But basically, here is his just a few quotes from him on uh, the false hope of works. And because uh, there's many of them out there, really, because he was a monk at one time. So he tried to do things. But here was uh, one of his quotes. I was a good monk, and I kept the rules of my order so strictly that I may say that if ever a monk got to heaven by his monkery, it was I. All my brothers in the monastery who knew me, lost my spot, who knew me will bear me out. I, if I had kept on any longer, I should have killed myself with vigils, prayers, readings, and other work. And he goes on to say later, as he realized that these works were, uh, you know, there wasn't anything that brought them any justification for the most part. It said Luther entered the monastery to find peace with God, you know, through driven, though driven there, the rest of the soul, monostatic, mono <laughs> sorry, life felt to ease his guilt. And here's this quote about the monastery life. It said, then bow down by sorrow. I torture myself by, the multitude of my thoughts, you know, look, I exclaimed, thou art still envious, impatient, passionate. It profited me nothing, you know, oh, wretched man to have entered this sacred order. So basically just pointing out the, the pointlessness, the uselessness of trying to do anything by works, that it was no good. And of course, he ended up finding out by reading the scriptures where yep. the Protestant Reformation came from. Uh, the importance and the error of the Catholic Church. So, I mean, go read up on him and you can probably find a lot of uh, stuff there. Yeah, Martin Luther, I mean, he was a very educated man. And once he really started reading the scriptures, because he was teaching the scriptures, and that's what he was doing. Once he, start, he started realizing the things that, were, that the Catholic Church was doing was not lining up with what scripture was saying, just like Mitchell pointed out, you know, <laughs> open your Bible. They're not... Mm -hmm. They're not told to open their Bible because the people that are in the 
hierarchy of Catholicism wants you to stay dumb to the point that you just follow their catechisms. And a lot of people that are tied up into that, that's what they believe. And when you speak, people like us speak against it, they think we're uh, heretical. And they even, you know, a lot of the people that went against it, uh, what was his name, John Huss, that they executed that was kind of before Martin Luther's time. Martin Luther, all these guys that ended up getting uh, executed because they were speaking against the Roman Catholic Church. And even though, like I said, we don't hold uh, laws now where the Roman Catholics can come and execute us in that way, they will look at us as how dare you speak against the Pope the way you do? How dare you speak against what we believe the way that you are? Because we believe the Bible. That's what they'll say. But yet we can show many, many forms that they believe their catechisms and their traditions above what scripture teaches. So, yeah, I don't got anything else to add. So. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I forgot to mention about they baptize babies. And we know the Catholic Church is not only that does that, Presbyterians do that as well. And there are many more. But um, so basically, if you tell them why you think it's so wrong to have baptized babies, well, first of all, I mean, when you're baptized, you know, the baby cannot repent of their sins. He or she cannot repent of their sins because they're a little baby. They don't understand the sinful nature yet. And they will one day. Basically, if any of you tell them you grow up, well, you've already been baptized, you know, so basically there means they're going to say, oh, okay, well, I'm saved then. But we know how John the Baptist, I mean, how, you know, when he was baptizing babies, or babies, excuse me, excuse yeah. me, <laughs> when he was baptizing folks in the wilderness, I mean, he wasn't getting credit to himself. I mean, I mean, the Pharisees I mean, even came to asking him, you know, are you a prophet? No. Are you the Christ? No. Are you Elijah? No. You know, he's the one that he comes, you know, crying out from the wilderness. I mean, he baptized by water, but, and I love his humility when Jesus came, which is amazing. He knew immediately that was Jesus. And he told him, hey, I need to be baptized by you, but you come to me, you know, and uh, he wasn't giving credit to himself. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, how Acts 9, when Saul became Paul, how, you know, the disciple from Damascus named Ananias, you know, when um, when he was um, when Saul was in the house and face Ananias was, you know, doing something wherever, and then Jesus spoke to him in a vision, and he said, uh, he said, you know, Ananias says, "Here I am, Lord." He said, "Go, you know, to the street called Straight, you know, for Saul is, you know, praying and." Um, I, I got it right here. I'm not reading it really right. But basically, he's telling him to go. And then all of a sudden, Ananias. So Ananias heard this, heard this man from you know from other believers. And he said to him, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call your name. And but the Lord said immediately, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. He said, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So immediately, so Ananias departed and entered the house and he laid hands on brother and he laid hands on him and he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road which which you came has sent me said that you may be filled, regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And he said, immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. So basically, you know, Saul was a murderer and persecuted many Christians, many disciples of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was changed and baptized because, I mean, face it, Saul was blinded because he was going to Damascus and kill more Christians until Jesus stopped him. And so, so yeah, a baby cannot repent of their sins. So we see how Saul repented once he was blinded. He couldn't see. He was probably terrified, you know, because he can't see a thing. And then all of a sudden he became humility and praying. So that's when Jesus went to Ananias and Ananias was questioned, why would you, you know, go, why, why him? And then Jesus said, go. I mean, so, so that's all I got to say. <laughs> yeah, and that's actually uh, very good things to bring up for sure from everybody, for sure. Because uh, like when we talk about your babies being baptized, like within the uh, Catholic Church, as well as Presbyterian and all those other uh, denominations and religions, uh, I say uh, babies, I say, they don't know better. I say, they can't help that. They poop in their diaper. Like you can't repent for pooping in your diaper, or or crying in the middle of the night, waking up your parents, or something like that. You can't. Uh, I, there's just no way around that. So like I said, you know, some people yeah do use that excuse that oh well, you know I I was baptized as a baby. I'm good to go. Like I'm clear and I'm going to heaven. And then they their actions and as they get older definitely contradict the word of God altogether. And especially with Catholicism because like we mentioned that uh, the Pope, he is taking um, the authority of God basically taking his title, making it seem like whatever he says goes and he just wants to do this all for popularity. He wants to do it for people to, to love him and to uh, see like, Oh, see, here we go. Christians. I'm going to put that in quotes, Christians accepting homosexuality and accepting, um, you know, people that, are going against God and doing a lifestyle, living a lifestyle that is against God. And then uh, I say that is definitely a very, very big red flag right there. I know many people, um, you know, are thinking, um, well, God is love, but it's like, yeah, absolutely. God is love. But like y'all are twisting the whole thing. Y'all are, y'all are defining love at this point. Y'all are doing a human definition of, what is love and and i always hear that quote love is love but it's like what what the heck does that even mean like that because you're not saying it from a a heavenly standpoint you are using it from a worldly love like it is so different so let's just uh you know so that's a big thing you know for sure and then like i even was thinking about how like we've all had experience like since we have family that are still catholics to this day we've gone to um to different like mass services like i know whether it's um, a funeral or you know anything like that and just seeing how like said the um the eucharist is that what it's called unless yeah. yeah that's uh yeah that is um you know we've seen that where people line up and you know do all that and you know and uh and even like just uh, the whole church in general like their churches are beautiful and all of that but like said uh, like that's not like that kind of can be a distraction from like what you're at church for. Like I so, say, yeah, you can build a beautiful church all you want, but a church is a church when it comes straight from scripture. Like when the preacher preaches straight from scripture and uh, not teaching a worldly 
thing just to get like you know applause and you know cheering for you and stuff like that so a church like i said a church is just a building but like we are the church when it comes to like the um you know like the big picture of it all like you know we all are the church and we're supposed to proclaim the gospel and to teach others what the word truly means and you know like that's a good point also that y'all mentioned earlier that like um like the word is never encouraged really when it comes to catholicism you know like many people um just go based off what the priest says or what the the pope says and, and that is definitely dangerous because as i've um even growing up for me not that i'm catholic i've ever been catholic but like i've grown up not really reading much of the word you know it's just kind of going through hearsay or like what other people may have said is in the word and in the last couple of years like i've really gotten into it and then i get a whole different picture of what the word actually meant like what a certain verse actually meant so i said if you're not in the word unless you're definitely i'm not going to understand it so i said yeah how are you going to know anything unless you do the work yourself not the work because we are talking about work based salvation but you know what i mean like the putting action to your faith and uh Isaiah reading the word and Isaiah really trying to understand and not just reading it just to feel like oh well there you go god give me the brownie points you know and stuff like that you want to you know read the word because you really want to know who god is and what his you know word says and you know what he's for and i mean he loves us all of course but i said but there are things that you know that is definitely against his word and we can never contradict that. And that's why like so another thing I wanted to quickly mention is uh like I know I've seen it before on TV plenty, like where people like compare Christianity to Catholicism that like, oh it's the same thing. Like but it's like, no, like it's definitely not the same thing. Like if you uh, <laughs> Yeah, like if you if you look at it and like so there's just so many major differences like I'm like yeah there is god yeah there is jesus but the priority like in how they order jesus and god and like then you throw mary the saints and the pope into the mix and we definitely don't worship the pope we don't listen to what the pope has to say and you know like oh because he said it it's correct so there's definitely major differences and that's a big like misconception that like the world like likes to look out from the outside in when it comes to Christianity. They like to put, you know, Catholicism and Christianity together. And just because we suppose, you know, we look like we're worshiping the same God, but in reality we're not, we're worshiping a different God because they are looking at it as a God that they have to, to, to work for basically. And like, and that's, that's not the God that we serve. So like, there's definitely some major, major differences there. So for people that are watching, definitely uh, know that there is a huge difference between being a Catholic and being a Christian. It doesn't matter if, if we just worship one God and we both believe that Jesus died on the cross from us for us, which is uh, like, really good. But at the end of the day, like, I know this is random. I could be wrong, but like, so just, uh, I feel like I've heard this in previous conversations before, but like, I feel like in Catholic churches, G they still have Jesus on the cross. Yeah. But like in our churches, maybe like, uh, you know, I see just the cross. And I said, it almost just seems like 
yeah, they do, you know, point out that Jesus died on a cross, but like, how much should they really point out that like what happened three days later? Like he came back and like, it just seems like when they rely on, I'm like, yeah, that Jesus died for us. That's great. But then they throw in, you know, so all these other people into the mix, like Mary and, you know, the saints and the Pope. And it just shows that that you, you're almost making it sound like that Jesus is not sufficient for our salvation. Like right. you almost need more people. It's almost like I've heard that quote before, like it takes a village. Like it almost sounds like you need a village of people to, to gain salvation. And that's just not the picture of true salvation. Right. <laughs> and yeah. Going back to the baby's comment, uh, baptism. So when babies cry out, they're not crying out for repentance to God or anything. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing too about the, like the Eucharist. I mean, if that's really supposed to be the body of Christ, I mean, what did someone like peel him as he was d- dying or something? Right. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, yes. Yeah, so salvation comes by grace alone, by faith alone, through grace alone. And I had this thing on my phone, like I put salvation or justification, justification, excuse me, is by grace alone. So the phone I put by grace, they want to add merch, whatever that is, in you know, yeah. an S, you know, by, yeah. by grace alone. Through faith, they put plus works. It's but for us, it's through faith alone. In mm. Christ, they put in Christ plus me. But no, you got to it's not me in Christ alone. According to the Scripture plus traditions, that that's what the Catholic Church will do. You know, we you know as we believe, according to the Scripture alone, we put the X traditions. And for God's glory, they put for God's glory plus mine alone. The you know for you know or mind we had something mind with that for god's glory alone so so yeah so it's by christ alone by grace alone and faith alone that we are saved through faith in jesus and we don't have to come to the priests or anything you know to make our confessions because i mean when you know jesus did that for us i mean we come to jesus i mean for anybody that does that to the priest of the pope He's, you know, that Pope and the priest is stealing the identity of Jesus for what he did on the cross. Because the Pope and the priest did not die for our sins. Not at all. I mean, so that's all I want to say. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so a big reason why I brought up Catholicism or why I wanted that to be a big discussion with Ben, uh, work-based salvation, is because on our next episode that we're going to do, we we're going to talk more into, like, the idea of easy believism. And also, if we have time, I would love for us to talk about universalism, which is something I learned about here in the last week or two, just getting more understanding like what exactly that is. And it's definitely just mind-blowing just hearing some of these like teachings that are supposedly coming from people that claim to be Christians. And I said, just it's such a misinterpretation of what true like biblical teaching is. And it just mind-blowing to me so before i end this episode do anybody anybody have any final thoughts regarding uh work-based salvation i don't but i think matt was scrolling to something okay i'm good i'm just looking okay okay i'm good i think we covered it pretty well actually yeah yeah (laughs) and do you have anything mitchell yeah i think we cover it pretty well and uh just 
for those who are out there are Catholic, I mean, hey, I mean, we love y'all, and then we just want y'all to dig to Scripture, and we want y'all to understand there's warnings where y'all at, or y'all y'all been in it before, or going back in it. Just be sure to watch these warnings, because I mean, hey, I mean, we want y'all to come to the truth, because the Holy Spirit will guide you to all truth, and that's what His Word says. So, yeah, if you hate being lied to, well, I mean, the priest and the pope is lying to you about you know, homosexuality and atheists go to heaven. So there you go. If you hate liars. <laughs> yeah. Telling you we wouldn't be loving you. So yeah, I mean, that's what basically you just said, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> because we love you. We want you to see the error in what we see, you know, through uh, the Catholic church and works-based salvation in general. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, uh, I said, it's just good yet to even remind people that because people think of, when people start hearing us, like telling them that this is not, you know, this is against God's word, then all of a sudden here comes hate speech. Here comes, right. oh, you're judging us. That's the first two things they always yeah. say. You're judging us or hate speech. It's like, no, actually, we're telling you because we love you and we care about you, whether you're a Catholic, whether you're like Matt mentioned, a Mormon, whether you're, you know, a Muslim, whether you, you know, any of those, you know, religions. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like so any of that, like I said, just shows that like so we we care about you and we want to see people truly get like an understanding that like you don't have to work, you know, to to be safe. Like like so God is, you know, sovereign no matter what. He's not looking at you like, oh, let me give him a, you know, brownie points for praying today. Like he's not he's got, you know, bigger and better things to do. He wants us, he wants everybody to know who the real Jesus is and not these, um, not these other Jesuses that people are preaching on. So that is why I wanted to talk about false teaching on my podcast. And I know that uh, both Matt and Jerry covered this very good on their, um, you know, podcast with Disciples Direction. So be sure to check them out. Uh, where can they all look, uh, where can I all find Disciples Direction, by the way? Like I know definitely Facebook and on uh, Spotify, but uh, you also have a website, don't you? Yeah. Uh, really, the best place to go is our website, uh, disciplesdirection.wordpress.com. Uh, if you go there, uh, there's a lot of resources there, Bible studies, uh, a link that takes you to our Bible studies. But also, uh, when we started the podcast, I also made a, a podcast link. So if you click on that, then you can find all the platforms that we're on. And I know we're on more than those because I've seen them. I've looked it up, but those are the main ones. Anchor.fm is my the main site, but there's many others that are branched off. Spotify, I know I use Spotify a lot. I think a lot of people do. I can yeah. see a lot of users use Spotify. So just look up Disciples Direction. And if you have any uh, problems, you know, finding it, you can always uh, you know get in touch with Joel on his uh, platform or, or, or reach out to us on at Disciples Direction to just try to find uh, the resources. Like I said, yeah, we're on Facebook as well, just Disciples Direction. Uh, you can pretty much just Google the name and uh, you'll probably be able to link up to us in some form or fashion to be able to start getting Bible studies, Bible passages, and podcasts. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, be sure to check that out if you have time to you know, get even more into like understanding the idea of work-based salvation. They go into great detail there as well. And 
I definitely got a lot of out of got a lot out of it, and I hope that anybody that listens to it, you know, got a, gets a lot of it, you know, gets a lot out of it as well. I feel like that's some reason I'm like stumbling on that, but <laughs> anyway, like I said, if uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a thumbs up. You know, on my YouTube channel, not your average Joel. I also have an Instagram page, not your average Joel podcast, and I was posting these on Facebook, but they are. They take a little bit long to upload. So right now it's just on YouTube, but eventually I do want to get more involved with uh, other platforms like Spotify and uh, stuff like that. So until then, if, um, you know, hopefully everybody has a good rest of your day and um, I will talk to y'all next time on Easy Believism. <laughs> All right, talk to y'all later. Thank you, everybody, that took the time to listen to this episode of Not Your Average Joel. Your support means so much to me, whether you were listening to this episode from Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify, as well as my YouTube channel. If you want to see some behind-the-scenes standout moments and funny moments from my episodes, please go to my Instagram page at Not Your Average Joel Podcast. I also have a TikTok account where I post clips from my episodes as well at Not Your Average Joel Podcast. If you are watching this episode from YouTube, please be sure to give me a thumbs up. And if you want to see more of my upcoming episodes, then please subscribe to my channel and turn on the bell notifications so that you will be notified whenever a new episode comes out. Once again, I appreciate all your support and I look forward to sharing more about these topics with you on the next episode of Not Your Average Jaw. Goodbye. <laughs>